0: Good morning everybody. I am Sneha Sharma. I am going to present the Hindu editorial dated 5th May 2021. This podcast is for those who do not have time to read newspaper themselves. The analysis of the podcast is given on the last segment of this editorial. Let's get started. Happy preparation. The first article of the day is a COVID blot on India's foreign policy canvas. A direct consequence of the pandemic is that the New Delhi's claim to regional primacy and leadership could take a hit. This article is written by Happy Moon Jacob. The second wave of COVID-19 and its agonizing consequences, prompting the country to accept foreign aid after a gap of 17 years, is bound to have far-reaching strategic implications. For India, while the world realizes that India is too important to ignore, which perhaps explains the rush to help, there is a little doubt that the country will not be the toast of the Western world until it is able to get back on its feet. As a direct consequence of the pandemic, New Delhi's claim to regional primacy and leadership will take a major hit. Its leading up power aspirations will be dented and accentuate its domestic political contestations. These in turn will impact India, the content and conduct of India's foreign policy in the years to come. Regional Primacy COVID-2.0 has quickened the demise of India's regional primacy. Regrettably, the country's geopolitical decline is likely to begin in the neighborhood itself. A strategic space with New Delhi has been forced to cede to Beijing over the past decade or so, a phenomenon that was intensified by the aggressive regional policies of Modi 1.0. India's traditional primacy in the region was built on a mix of material aid, political influence, and historical ties. Its political influence is steadily declining, its ability to materially help the neighbourhood will shrink in the wake of COVID-19 and its historical ties alone may not do wonders to hold on to a region hungry for development assistance and political autonomy. As a result, South Asian states are likely to board the Chinese bandwagon if they haven't already. COVID-19 therefore comes at a time when India's standing in the region is already shrinking. The pandemic will, unfortunately, quicken the inevitable. In July 2015, External Affairs Minister S.J. Shankar, who was then the Foreign Secretary, stated that India aspires to be a leading power rather than just a balancing power. How will COVID-19 impact India's greater Great power, leading power aspirations, being boxed in China-dominated region will provide New Delhi with little space to pursue its regional, let alone global geopolitical ambitions except in the Indo-Pacific region. While the Indo-Pacific is geopolitically keen and ready to engage with India, the pandemic could adversely impact India's ability and desire to contribute to the Indo-Pacific and the Quad. COVID-19, for instance, will prevent any ambitious military spending or modernization plans called in the wake of the standoff at the line of actual control and limit the country's attention on global diplomacy and regional geopolitics. Beat Afghanistan or Sri Lanka or Indo-Pacific with reduced military spending and lesser diplomatic attention to regional geopolitics. New Delhi's ability to project power and contribute to the growth of the quad will be uncertain. While the outpouring of global aid to India shows that the world realizes India is too important to fail, the international community might also reach the conclusion that post-COVID-19 India is too fragile to lead and be a leading power. New Delhi is pivotal to the Indo-Pacific project, but with India's inability to take lead role and China wooing smaller states in the region Away from the Indo-Pacific, with aids and threats, the Indo-Pacific balance of powers could even eventually turn in Beijing's favor. Domestic politics Domestic uh, political contestation in the wake of the COVID-19 devastation in the country could also limit New Delhi's strategic ambitions. General economic uh, distress, a fall in foreign direct investment and industrial production and a rise in unemployment have already lowered the mood in the country. The central political leadership therefore is likely to focus on a recovery and the assembly elections in Uttar Pradesh in 2022. The U.P. election and the run-up to the 2024 general election, both crucial for Narendra Modi regime, could fan communal tensions in the country, triggering more political violence. A depressed economy, politically volatile domestic space, combined with a lack of elite consensus on strategic matters, would hardly inspire confidence in the international systems about India. Domestic political preoccupations will further shrink the political elite's appetite for foreign policy innovation or initiatives. Post-COVID-19, Indian foreign policy is therefore likely to be holding operation. These strategic consequences of the pandemic will shape the content and conduct of India's foreign policy in several important ways. India-China Equations One potential impact of devastating return and the damage it has done would be that India might be forced to be more conciliatory towards China, albeit reluctantly. From competing with China's vaccine diplomacy a few months ago, New Delhi today is forced to seek help from the international community, if not China, to deal with the worsening situation at home. For one, China as compared to most other countries emerged stronger in the wake of the pandemic. Second, the world notwithstanding its anti-China rhetoric will continue to do business with Beijing. It already has been, and it will only increase third while one is yet unsure of the nature of china-us relations in the days ahead the rise of china and india's covid 19 related troubles could prompt washington to hedge its bets on beijing finally claims that india could compete with china as a global investment and manufacturing destinations would remain just that claims Thanks to its monumental mismanagement of the second wave, India's ability to stand up to China's stance vastly diminished today, in material power, in terms of balance of power considerations and a political will. This might require New Delhi to be more conciliatory towards China. If the Bharatiya Party-led government's rather muted response to the LAC standoff in the summer of 2020 is anything to go by, we are likely to see a conciliatory China policy from here on. Depressed Foreign Policy Post-COVID-19, India foreign policy is unlikely to be business as usual. Given the much-reduced political capital within the Modi government to pursue ambitious foreign policy goals, the diplomatic bandwidth for expansive uh, foreign policy goals would be limited, leading thereby to a much-depressed Indian foreign policy. The remainder of Mr. Modi's current term is unlikely to emerge unscathed from such acute foreign policy depression this however might take the aggressive edge off of india's foreign policy under mr modi less aggression could potentially translate into more accommodations reconciliation and cooperation especially in the neighborhood with pakistan on the one hand and within the broader south asian association for regional cooperation that is sark framework on the other The aftermath of the pandemic may kindle such a consolatory tone in Indian foreign policy, for other reasons as well. For one, Covid-19 has forced us to reimagine, to some extent at least, the friend-enemy equations in global geopolitics. While the United States seemed hesitant, at least initially, to assist India, even as the pandemic was wreaking havoc in the country, Moscow was quick to come to New Delhi's aid even though new delhi did not accept the aid offers from pakistan and china these offers are more than the usual diplomatic ground standing that states engage in during natural calamities the argument here is not that these will lead to fundamental shifts in india's strategic partnerships but that they could definitely moderate the sharp edges of india's pre-existing geopolitical articulations Strategic autonomy. Finally, the pandemic would, at the very least, indirectly impact India's policy of maintaining strategic autonomy. As pointed out above, the strategic consequences of the pandemics are bound to shape and structure New Delhi's foreign policy choices as well as constrain India's foreign policy agency. It could, for instance, become more susceptible to external criticism, for, after all, New Delhi cannot say yes. To just aid and no to criticism, a post-COVID-19 new Delhi must find it harder to resist demands of closer military relationship with the US. And yet, every crisis opens up the possibility for change and new thinking. What COVID-19 will also do is open up new regional opportunities for cooperation especially under the ambit of SARC, an initiative that already saw small beginnings during the first wave of the pandemic. New Delhi might do well to get the region's collective focus on regional health multilateralism, to promote mutual assistance and joint action on health emergencies such as these. geopolitics should be brought on a par with health diplomacy, environmental concerns and regional connectivity in South Asia. COVID-19 may have happened precisely such an opportunity to the world's least integrated region. The next article of the day is Clear Message from Supreme Court. Under new CJI, it has underlined its role as a guardian of the rights of ordinary people. A series of decisions within a week since Justice N. V. Ramana took over as the 48th Chief Justice of India shows a rejuvenation happening within the Supreme Court in its role as a guardian of rights of ordinary people. The court has not flinched while ordering a reluctant Uttar Pradesh government to shift journalist Sadiq Kapan to for medical treatment. It has talked straight and true to the centre about the lapses in managing a devastating second COVID-19 wave that has caused precious lives, especially in the national capital. The court has also decided to revisit the legality of the law of sedition. The intervention would bring into spotlight the use of sedition as a tool to incarcerate activists, lawyers, students, and journalists who voice their dissent against the government. The court's decision to relook the section comes hardly three months after it had rejected a similar plea filed by some lawyer. In Mr. Kappan's case, a three-judge bench led by Chief Justice Ramana Precious aside Uttar Pradesh government's submission that he did not require any special treatment. The bench held that the most precious fundamental right to life unconditionally embraces even an under trial. The bench went on to author a detailed order and put on a record how the earlier medical reports on Mr. Kappan submitted by the Uttar Pradesh government revealed that he had multiple health issues like diabetes, heart ailment, heart ailment blood pressure, and bodily injury. However, the next set of medical reports and additional affidavits circulated by the state this morning show that he has tested COVID-19 negative. The CGI bench later bear the fa- facts Chief Justice Ramana days before his swearing up op- on April 24 had sent a clear message in public address that the legal community was obliged to protect the vulnerable sections of society from human rights atrocities perpetrated by the states or any anti-social elements the so hearings, and redistribution of essential supplies and services during COVID 19, before Justice Sharadeb Bobri had uh, begun by drawing criticism. Senior lawyers went public to say that Supreme Court's intervention may interfere with the efforts of various high courts. Following Justice Bobri's exit, the Suomoto case went to a new lynch bid. New bench led by Justice D.Y. Chandrachud, The court immediately set the record straight by saying that it did not want to interfere with the High Court's work but wanted to supplement it. The following days saw the court put the center on the clock. Most important, the bench warned states of contempt if they tried to punish people for airing grievances. The court also made it clear to a Hurt Election Commission that it would not stop the media from reporting judges' oral remarks.